Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the fantastic series, Daisy Jones and the Six. We are joined today by Lauren Neustadter, who is the executive producer on the series, as well as president of film and television for Hello Sunshine, costume designer Denise Wingate, and production designer Jessica Kenda. And Lauren, starting with you, um, you know, the, the production of this show has taken such a long time, and it's been such a journey from beginning to kind of finalizing the series that we all got to watch. And particularly going into production, I know that you were all hit with an 18-month shutdown because of COVID uh, in early 2020. But one of the things that's always interesting that comes out of the back of moments like that is the extra time that everybody has to spend with the details. And particularly for a show like this, that's so meticulous in so many ways with all of the creative details and even just the detailing of narratives with each of the characters individually, I was really interested in what you feel like some of the long-term benefits of that actually ended up being for a show like this? Well, I will say we were so lucky because when COVID happened, our show, uh, it was it would have been an easy one for people to walk away from. I mean, you know, shooting something that was based in the 1970s where everyone, all the background was going to need to wear, you know, period clothing so they couldn't just show up in the way that they might have on a, on a show that was not a deep period show people singing, as you can probably remember in COVID, people were not really allowed to sing. It was definitely sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which I think is the highest degree of difficulty in a, in a total COVID climate. But I think it was a real testament to the show, both to the book, to the scripts, and to the team that we assembled, that no one walked away. I mean, it was a really amazing thing that, Denise, you stuck with us, Jess, you stuck with us, our entire cast, you know, the music team, everyone really dug in. And I think, Mara, along the lines of your question about, you know, where do we actually reap great benefits from having that extra time? I think we were able to really hone the scripts. I know that Scott definitely loved his time with the writer's room and felt like the contributions there were tremendous. I also think he would say that he really benefited from having the time to go through every single script and think about how the different stories and storylines were carrying through so that every beat of it could be really meticulously rendered. And then obviously for the cast, they got to dig really deep into their characters and into the relationships between the characters, but even more, they really became musicians. They spent the time in COVID working on perfecting the craft of whatever their, their musical talent was in the show. You know, for Seb, it was digging in on drums. For Riley and Sam, it was the vocals, but also guitar. Suki learning the piano. Josh on bass. Will on guitar. Like every single one of them really became a musician. But even more than that, they became a band. So I will say when we were meant to start this and we got shut down a month early um, or a month before our intended start because of COVID, I think we all felt very overwhelmed and very sad. But at the end of it, when we actually really started making the show, we realized what an incredible opportunity we had made the most of. And that this, it wasn't, Daisy Jones and the Six was a real band. It was not a fake band. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I really remember. That. Sorry, I can remember when they gave us this very like small private concert, right? Where we were still in prep before shooting and they put together, it was only maybe like a concert for like 40 people. And I remember showing up and being like, how is this actually going to be? And watching them. And after the first song, I was like, they're a band, like it's working. Like they're actually a band. It was amazing. COVID for sure. Let them have the time to figure that out. 
it's a real testament to them. They all worked so incredibly hard. And, and I think it really shows in the episodes. It, it yeah. does. And, and Denise, in coming over to you and talking a little bit about the costumes, I was kind of interested in just that starting point of building all these individual character mood boards, because you're not only creating individual looks for each of this, these characters, you're thinking about who are they in their day-to-day world versus who are they when they step on stage. Um, and I know that a lot of the mood boards for you had different musicians and different groups as kind of inspiration for each of them, but also love even just the detailing that for Billy, it was always Bruce Springsteen and it was kind of that singular inspiration. So I was just interested in kind of how you started to kind of conceptualize a lot of the individual arcs for each of the characters throughout the show, um, but kind of starting with that base point of inspiration of musicians from that time period. Well, I think it was probably helpful for the actors that I did so much research and I had so much visual representation by the time they came in to meet with me for the first time. I had so many boards and they could they could see maybe inspiration they weren't even thinking of, but it was a good jumping off point for them to figure out who their own characters were. And and I do have to say that because of COVID, and again, we were all crushed. It was so disappointing when we went down, but it really gave the actors time to think about the characters. It gave us more time for fittings. We could really distill the looks and and I, I mean, I worked for free the whole time we were down and I was still, I was just still all in. I was mercenary. I was like, this is going to be the best I can possibly, you know, give. And um, it was super helpful because it really became a curated, a curated look as opposed to sometimes when you're shooting, especially with television, you're on location and you get actors a couple of days before they work and you just have to hope that it works. But it gave the actors and, and, and myself a lot of time together. And every time we did a fitting, we would it would just become better and better and better. And they were getting more into their characters as well. As well. But I think that they and, and Lauren, who was a partner as well with, with me the whole way, we would all look at pictures and I would do these boards and I would do the fittings that looked a lot like the, the the characters I had on my boards and it was just a good jumping off point. It was, it's felt very organic. And, and I think the whole idea of this show to begin with is to make it look very realistic uh, and not look costumey. So I, I really used a lot of um, documentary photographs. I, you know, I watched a ton of seventies movies and, and that we, we went from that. It was very realist, realistically based on, on real musicians. We were so blown away. I do just have to say, Denise is like the greatest. And I, we were blown away by her boards and that you would look at the inspiration and then you would look at the actual fitting photo of our actor. And it wasn't like we were stealing that look. It was truly like it inspired the look. And I think that that's one of the things that's so amazing about this book, right? Is that Taylor felt so inspired by all of these stories of these bands in the 70s. And it was like the inspiration from what actually happened informed this really beautiful tale that she told. And I think that we sort of took a page from that in every aspect, whether it was the wardrobe or it was the production design, or it was thinking about how are we going to be shooting the show if it was the music, right? It's inspired by what actually happened. It's an homage to so many different people and places and moments and things, but it is its own really unique and beautiful creation, um, which is really the dream come true part of it. But I, I will say that, you know, both Denise and Jess 
designed these incredible boards and we always do what's called a show and tell, you know, which is sort of showing you the world of the show before we actually bring it to life. And I think I've never had less notes than I did for Denise and for Jess on this. And it was really a testament to their vision and their, their incredible work and their team's work because these were not small things we were executing. They were big things. These were huge tasks that they undertook and, and the execution and the vision for it was really second to none. And it was helpful that Jess was so, we were so collaborative together. It was such, we became such a, such a tight family and we shared information and, and Jess, I mean, and this just, just doesn't happen. Uh, I've been doing this for 30 years. It just doesn't happen where she would actually be sending me photographs from the location scouts, from the tech scouts saying, look at this, this is what we're thinking here. And I would send her you know, fitting photos. Our doors were always open to each other. So that made it really, and of course, our amazing cinematographers, it just helped everything we all work together so we were all on the same page and and you know it was it, it was a, a miracle that it <laughs> it all worked so well good teamwork yeah, i would say was there was i was a lot of the times like when i read a script i can immediately as i'm reading i'm seeing what it looks like in my head and for some reason teddy's character was the one that i was a little bit like not quite sure where I wanted to take it. And I went down to Denise's office and I was like, can I see Teddy? Like, it's the one thing that I'm kind of stuck on. And she pulled up her boards for Teddy and I built Elamar around what she showed me Teddy was. So he was actually built from the production design side from a costume board up. But how great was that production yeah. design? His office, his house, everything was yeah. so perfect. I, that's what I mean about, about this collaborative effort yeah. of just, because because Jess, if we weren't talking all the time, she could have done something completely different. And it just, I, it just looks real. It looks so, real. It, looks it literally was down to like minutia, like when they play at um, that hall where he sees his father, Billy sees his father. That one, she had found these vintage bridesmaids dresses she loved. And so when I was sitting there, she was like, you have to see these. I want to use them. And so we used those dresses to do all the color for the reception in there. So it even went down to like little things like that. Yeah. But it, 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 when that happens, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not lost on me. I'm so, I'm so grateful to have those experiences of working so closely with somebody. So it, it was really, was. I will also say, I think, and and clearly what you're getting a sense of is how connected all of us were. But the thing that was really amazing is, I mean, I will say, I don't know that I've ever been on a set where it felt like people were more connected, where there was more synergy. Like, I feel like this was, everyone became a band, like the cast became a band, but we became a band and we were all really sensitive to, you know, making sure that we were in sync with one another. These sequences, I mean, I do think that we should talk about Soldier Field, um, which Jess designed with such unbelievable authenticity and attention to detail. And Jess, you should speak to it, but also the, you know, the wardrobe design and all of the different elements and the way that the sequences were lit and the way that we were shooting it, even down to the VFX of the crowds, because obviously in COVID, you know, we were rendering Soldier Field was no was no small feat, but I, I think, you know, it took incredible teamwork and synergy to pull off something so big. 
Um, so Jess, do you want to talk a little bit about your, your soldier field design, which was amazing. Yeah, I want to know was... how long it took you Jess, also to build it. Cause I don't think I've ever asked you how long did it take to build that? Cause it was phenomenal. Well, we were limited in that, um, new Orleans where we actually did it only allowed us 10 days to build, shoot and be out, which meant that I was given only four days to, I think is that right? We were, we shot for five days there. No, four days. We shot for four days there. We four and two. Yeah, that's what it was. Four, four and two. Sorry. So we were given four days to put it up. That meant we ran crews 24 hours a day for four days straight, because we're talking a set that is like 120 feet long by 60 feet high, you know, and has to also get all the vintage lighting equipment. Um, what we ended up doing is we found this really great there are two places in the entire country that still put up scaffolding to create stages in the same way they did in the 70s. What was crazy is because COVID was coming to an end, everyone was booking. So we had to go to Pennsylvania to find this one place that would fit us in just for this amount of time. Um, they came down and we learned through our research that there is someone who essentially exists who just organizes when people come in and out. So we went and we were like, we got to have a guy like this because if real concerts do it, like, and we have this limited four day window, we got to have this guy. And so this guy came in because we knew we had vintage lighting coming in. We did the backing that you see is done in the same style they did in the seventies. It's called the scrim and it was hand painted, you know, which actually we were then hit by a hurricane. But at the time we had started to learn about Louisiana weather. So we had already started getting a second one made because it, the hurricane ripped holes in it. And we were like, take it down, put the other one up, you know, like <laughs> we had all of that going at once. Um, and it ended up what was great is we had some guys who had worked on stuff in the seventies who were on our crew and the guys who had been putting up scaffolding for forever. And they essentially were like, this is how we do it, which you always hope, but you're just going off of reference. You know, I wasn't, I mean, I was there, but I was a baby, you know, like, and you look and you're like, this looks like what I see. Like it's my interpretation. So you cross your fingers and you hope and to have these guys who were like, yeah, this is it. Who would also give me things like I didn't realize you never put speakers in front of a singer because that will mess with their sound. And in some pictures, it looked like they were on the same level and they'd be like, no, no, we got to push them back at least a little bit to get it right. We got to, you know, and so you had this help from everybody, but in the end, yeah, four days up. And then we had to take it all down in two, which was even more chaos, but nobody had to see that part. <laughs> we also had a small COVID shutdown. We had oh. built everything. And then a person that was integral to the sequence tested positive and then we had to take it down and then put it back up again. We actually had to go to the governor of Louisiana to beg them because we had been given 10 days to stay at that stadium. And they said, that's it. We have other stuff coming in. Like this is our anchor point in new Orleans. Like you can't be here longer. So we had to go all the way up the ladder to essentially beg them to let us stay longer. And I will say it was the one time that like a little a little tear did when we were like hours away from filming and I get the call to like come into a meeting and they tell us we're shutting down. And I was like, but what, <laughs> but this, this is it. This is what we've been building to. 
I mean, what's so, so stunning about all of the production design that goes into the stage sets is that it's not even just the band's performance and everything around them on stage. So much of the story takes place in the wings of the stage and backstage. And you've really thought so specifically about what does the lighting look like? Can we see the silhouette of the band performing um, and kind of how that carries through visually? Um, and so I was interested in how you approach designing all of the backstage and kind of the side areas, because you're also working with a... a a humongous scope in terms of what that looks like because in a singular tour they're starting off in theaters and then they're going to arena and stadium-sized venues as well and yet you found this kind of linearity that that feels very specific and continuous throughout so one of the things that I that I thought worked well in the design and it was actually I would love to say it was my brainchild it was the brainchild of our supervising art director Brian because you know we knew we had to have a big backdrop and both of us have come from a background in theater and I was trying to figure out we're backstage so much. I don't want to look at the back of like a solid painted drop. And he was like, what if we did a scrim? And a scrim essentially is this fabric where if you light it from the front, it's opaque. If you light it from the back, it's see-through. And he was like, if we did a scrim, we can always see, we know where we are. So if we're backstage and we're fighting or, or that kiss, I mean, I love the way the kiss looks backstage, you know, like you can still get a feeling of your environment and not look into a flat wall. And that to me, when he said that, I was like, that's it. That solves all our problems. We have this seamless way of saying we're always here and we're never, we're never bored of it. And we get, can sense attention of the onstage versus the backstage. And I just, that is actually my favorite part right there. And then when you know, they caught it on camera in the kiss. I was like, this is exactly what I had hoped they would do, you know? How did you find the lighting director? Because again, the lighting was so integral too to the production design. How did you find that person? Well, that was actually, Jeff found him, our DP found him and he does rock lighting. The one thing that I had, um, that, that we had gone back and forth at is because he had actually done rock lighting. There was stuff that I really felt from a, from a, what we're doing standpoint, we had to change. So like originally when he had designed the lights that go alongside them, you know, I had said, we had gone back and forth a lot about whether they should be farther out, closer in, you know, I was like, what we need to do is I need to be able to have them far enough out that we don't constantly have to VFX shots this way. You know, like at a certain point, you just have to be aware, like we're not gonna be able to do that. And we can fix that by have, having lighting. He's like, well, they wouldn't come out that far. And I was like, but it doesn't matter. Like in our world, they come out that far and then they stop when we can afford the crowd. You know, like, so he was great because he set up a lot of the way looks would look right. And then we were able to go back and forth where I was like, I realize this is not real, but in our world, this will help a lot. But he just came on the same way we had that guy come on just to help get things up in order. So he was like, now we bring in the lights. Now we bring in the ramps. Now, you know, like the lighting guy was like, now we load them. Now we do this color. Now we do that color. <laughs> it's Thank such God. an amazing level of detail. And, yeah. and Denise, for you, I wanted to ask a little bit about developing the costumes for Daisy because outside of the fact that they're just really, really beautiful and stunning pieces to look at, they arc her journey as a character throughout the series so specifically from having these jackets that feel like this armor against the world for her to even just, you know, when you look at a lot of the costume designs on stage leading up to that final performance where there's kind of this massive 
spread eagled sleeves that she's performing with it literally feels like this kind of coming forth and and cocooning of a butterfly really finding themselves as she as she's finding herself throughout the story and and kind of allowing herself to feel everything around her whether it's pain or whether it's happiness Um, and so I was interested in how you worked with the scripts and really looked at the internal emotional arc of that character to find so many of those external elements. Well, starting at the very end, so that final performance, and this is one of the reasons I asked Jess about the lighting as well, is when she comes on stage for that final performance, it was a hot night, there was a storm coming in, and when she lifted her arms and the wind blew that outfit and the way the lights hit the gold, everyone gasped, everyone at the monitors, there was like an audible like... (gasps) It was, and Lauren was like, oh my God, did you see that? It was I mean, just- but also, can I just say, New Orleans is not typically windy. We were getting these crazy winds. I feel like there were a lot of tornado warnings the week that we were shooting the nights of Soldier Field, but it was unbelievable. It was really, the Yiddish word is bishert, uh, that it felt meant to be because the wind was blowing in the way that it would have been in Chicago if this was Soldier. I mean, so it was, it was all divine and perfect, but I will say when that wind blew into that stunning Halston dress, uh, there was, I mean, we all were like having an out of body experience. It was unbelievable. Because if you think about it, if it wasn't windy and and usually you're right, it's sticky and humid and just everything just, it would have just draped. It wouldn't have looked as, as magical as it did. And you're right. It was like a butterfly. It was like the Phoenix rising. It was the end of this journey for her, but it really was difficult back to your early question that to arc that character because the characters play themselves and we, we span so much time. We really had to make sure we got it right to have her look younger. And we did that with hair, makeup, costumes, and that's why we really tried to make her look younger so you could see where she was going as a as a performer and as a person. And I think it tracked really well. We I, I was really inspired by young Linda Ronstadt when she was in the Stone Ponies in the 70s. And she was and she herself was very young. And I love the photographs of her. She was wearing little short shorts, halter tops, cowboy boots and and big hoop earrings. And that was again, described very well by by Taylor in the book. She did a great job of describing certain things, which I felt we had to stay true to, to not disappoint the fans for certain outfits that were described. I know that as a fan of the book, I would have been disappointed if certain things weren't there. So like the man's shirt she wears to the recording studio, it was such a so it was it was written about there's dialogue so we had to keep certain things like that but i felt like we did a really good job of 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 creating a character arc and seeing where she goes from where she's younger to where she where she ends up and then at the very end again i didn't want the costumes to be noticed at all i wanted it to be a little bit of a blank canvas we did very neutral colors she's so wild and free and bright uh, all throughout the 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 show that having it just be this pure it could be anything. It's the blank canvas of what now. Okay, but people notice the costumes. Everybody wants to look like Daisy. Yeah, <laughs> Daisy earlier, but at the end, I wanted her to be a blank canvas. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It, I was. I'm, I'm thrilled that people um, love the costumes as much as they do, and and a lot of. I'm not on TikTok, but apparently, there's a lot of TikTokers dressing up in in Daisy Jones costumes. <laughs> I love the fact that even before the show came out, the New York Times did its fashion trends to get excited about. And and Daisy was on the short list. It was like bringing back the 70s. It was crazy. It was the top top 10 reasons to be excited about fashion in 2023 before the show ever aired. And we were in the top 10. It was great. It was really great. That was exciting. 
And and Lauren, in in terms of making the show and just all of the details that the three of you are all talking about, there's so many larger scope elements at play in terms of what we're seeing on screen. And yet it always comes back to the intimacy of these characters. And it feels like an incredibly intimate story between Daisy, between Billy, um, as we're watching every single episode. And so what were a lot of the challenges that came into play in, in developing and telling a story that really captures the heightened elements that it needs to for the scope of its characters and the journey that they're going on, but yet always centers back to that incredibly intimate space for them? Well, I mean, I had the privilege of working on this with my uh, most treasured partner in the world, who's my husband, who was the creator of the show. And I think for Scott, we always talked about the balance of the epic and the intimate, that that was really sort of the heartbeat and, and the heart and soul of the show, right? Was being, you know, epic in terms of the stories that we were telling, the music stories, the love stories, the drama that existed between the characters, but always incredibly intimate in the way that we were telling the stories that one of our great aspirations, and I know that we talked about this very early with Denise, with Jess, with our amazing directors inside of the writer's room. It was sort of, we also, we talked about Almost Famous, right? And that one of the things that we loved about that film was you were on the bus with the characters. You weren't watching it. It wasn't you like you had a view of something that was on, you know, that was proscenium. You were you were there and you were a part of it. And the aspiration in the storytelling from the very beginning, and I think it goes back to the way that Taylor wrote this novel and the documentary style format where the characters are telling you the truth, but you're also sort of like, well, that's interesting because that's your truth. Is it the truth? And that the show is actually telling you the truth when we were taking that from the novel and bringing it to life in script and in screen, it was always about making sure that the way that we were telling it felt really epic, but that the experience of being a part of the story and going on the journey was incredibly intimate, incredibly vulnerable, incredibly authentic. That was really, really, really important to us because I will say, I think there have been a lot of music shows where you're sort of observing and it's a little cooler than you are, or it's a little bit of a world that you would never be invited to join. And that was exactly what we didn't want with the show. And I think the response from the fans, from the people that love the book, from the people that love the show, from the people who discovered it that had never heard of Daisy Jones and the Six, but they sort of went on this journey is they felt invested and they felt a part of it. And I think that was always, always, always our ambition, even from the time that we had the first conversations with Taylor about sort of why we felt that we were the right team to bring this this book and this story to life on screen. And, and Jess, in terms of collaboration, I wanted to talk a little bit about the development of the tour bus because I love the detailing of how it started with James Ponsalt having the idea of, of something that felt like a school bus that had been kind of redone. And, and I know that you've mentioned that when you worked on Dexter, there was Craft Services, which was a bus with like a painted outside that kind of started giving you initial ideas. But it's so wonderful the way that it sounds like there was an opportunity for kind of everyone on your team to throw ideas into the mix, both in terms of painting the outside and, and all of the details and all of the fabrics that go on the inside, because that's exactly what the makeup would be from the band, just literally living and breathing in that space every single day as they're on tour. And um, even down to some of the detailing, I know you wanted to put some of the art from Little Fires Everywhere into it, because that was your start with Hello Sunshine. Um, and so I was just interested in hearing a little bit about the collaborative elements of the way that those visual aspects all came together. So, so that's actually the bus that takes them um, to, to uh, Diamond, they, Head. Diamond yeah, Head, 
to Diamond Head. And so that bus, it really was like he started with the school bus. And you're right, like it sort of pulled from everywhere. But it got to a point where I think really everyone, even down to the painters, what we did is we would give them a schematic of um, all four sides of the bus. And I would get a call from them and they would be like, can you come down and see this? We want to try this one thing. And I was like, anything you do, because in the same way, I think one of the things that I love about working with Lauren is that she puts a lot of trust in me, in us, in, in the people that she gets behind. She lets you run with it. And I really feel like if you lead like that, you get a better product. So the same thing with this bus, if they come down and I trust you and I trust my paint foreman, you know, like she was the one who was, you know, with us all the way through. And she'd be like, I have this idea. And she would add this thing that got better, you know, and like within the art department, we'd be looking at it and I'd get something from the graphic designer. And he was the actually the one, cause he had designed the piece from little fires. It was something that, you know, was on the bedside table in little fires. And he put it in there and didn't actually tell me at first, he showed me that thing. And he said, notice anything in here and I was looking at it and I was like can we put that in there and I was like we can't put that in there like it's a tiny little like kiss to just show like how much you can tell people love a show when they get that involved you know and it's the same thing that happens inside when we're putting all the fabrics up you know like you would have a set dresser and you can tell you're doing something right when you have these middle-aged men getting into it. And they're like, what if we hung this up here? You know, like, what if we did this thing, you know, and they run out and they grab a bunch more beads and they try it in there, you know? And it was one of those where I actually, a lot of the, the times I'll go down and I'll see stuff that's in process to make sure it's going the right way. But everyone was having such a good time that this is one of those things that I sort of waited for 80% there instead of like 50. Cause I was like, I want to reveal to see what you guys are doing. Like, I know everyone is so excited that it's going to be something great. But and again, it me up because it became such a like iconic shot, like in the same way that Denise's final dress is what everybody thinks that bus for some reason, really like got something out of everybody, you know, like it, it was it was important for the show, but maybe not as important as other things. But for some reason, that is what people seem to like glom on. And I do think that it was super fun. So it's perhaps that's what came across too. Like the tour buses themselves have a lot of personality in it, but it's a different type of personality. And I think the the excitement and the fun that that period of the show is comes across in that element too. And people seem to respond to it. But I was going to say, talking about the collaboration and the excitement, it's not often, usually costumes doesn't like to give a lot of stuff to set decoration. <laughs> like, usually there's a little bit of a, no, you can get your own stuff. We worked so closely with the set deck department and we liked them so much that whenever they needed stuff, we're like, sure, take whatever you want. And the same with props. I, I would tell props, come in on my fittings. Come, let's piggyback back off each other. What do you guys need? What can we do to make your job easier? So in that it was a love fest that everybody wanted to help each other and work together to 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 make the best show. And and I mean, we loved your whole entire set deck department. They were great, Jess. You had the best people. They were fantastic. Great. I will also say I think that Reese has a lot of amazing wisdom that she has bestowed upon me. But one of the things that she taught me that you know she really models is you know hire people who are incredible at what they do and then empower them 
to do their jobs and do their best work. And I think, you know, Jess's work, Denise's work, the work of all of the different teams. I mean, I think Frankie Pine as our music supervisor working with Blake Mills and Tony Berg on the music, you know, and obviously our DPs, Checo and Jeff, our directors, James and Zynga and Will, Scott and our enti entire writer's room and, and an incredible team. And, you know, Will working with Scott very closely. Like, I just think there was a lot of teamwork. There are a lot of people who felt very passionate and very inspired to tell this story. And it was really a great privilege for Hello Sunshine to get to sort of put all of the puzzle pieces together and then really empower people to bring their their hearts and their souls and their very very best to this show and I feel like they really did it took a big village um but what a tremendous result you know and it's so nice when people I was wearing my Daisy Jones t-shirt a couple of days ago and somebody was like oh my god I love the book I love the show you know you're just like what a cool thing that we did what a privilege yeah, I was on this panel for um, Carnegie Mellon of new grads, and it's like 100 new grads and you get up and you like, there's six of us and you introduce yourself and like, what you've done. And I say Daisy, and the whole point of the panel was how to get hired in LA. So they're supposed to ask you about like, rates and like how to look for jobs and whatever. And we break off into these groups and I sit down with my first panel. and I'm like, great, what can I tell you guys? And I have two of them go, tell us about Daisy Jones. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, I can, but I don't think that'll get you hired in LA. But that's all they wanted to talk about. I love it. I mean, you you can see the absolute level of of detail and talent in every single frame. You could pause any frame from the entire 10 episodes and you could there's so much to kind of dive into in terms of what you've all created on screen. Um so congratulations on an amazing series that's really resonated with audiences and thank you so much for talking about it. Really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for this conversation. What fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Mara.